You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back with us, Arizona homeowners, and let's get ready to talk trees. It's the second Saturday of the month, so if you want to, if you have a tree question, tree or shrub, you can call in right now, no matter where in the great state of Arizona you're listening to it, one 767 4348 That's one triple eight rosie for you if you have uh, a picture, you want help with plant identification, you can snap a photo and email it to info at rosieonthehouse.com or you can text to 411-923 and I'll get you in touch with Mr. John Eisenhower, ISA certified arborist and owner of Integrity Tree Service, who is our Talking Trees monthly host. He is actually broadcasting in the studio of KTR in Phoenix. We're standing on the lawn of the U of A Mall in Tucson at the Festival of Books where we're broadcasting live today. So if you happen to be in the Tucson market, you come by here and we've got an extra headset for you and slap it on you. You can talk to Mr. Eisenhower right back in the studio. And uh, let's see, where, where are we going to? Are we going to start with a talking tree notes or are we going to start with our tree of the month? Well, I'm just really encouraged that there's such uh, technological assistance we have through the uh, Amazing. Uh, you're glad uh, you didn't have to drive to Tucson this morning, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, sort of. I would have loved to have come down there. I really wanted yes, to. I was hoping and I know you were planning you know, on it. Part of that book fair. I actually, last week, that was the plan. But no, this works out great. But it's so nice to be able to be in, in touch uh, through the airwaves this morning. And we can start wherever you want to start. We've got a lot of talking points, uh, talking trees, uh, uh, tips to talk about today, seasonal stuff that's uh, relative to our turning the corner into spring. Uh, the. Uh, tree of the month is the sweet acacia which uh, we chose for this time of year because it's one of those early spring blooming trees and it's uh, in full display right now full glory uh, those who who have these sweet acacias i remember the first time i smelled one i stepped out of my car one day and i said what's that wonderful uh, fragrance and it was a sweet acacia right outside my truck door and it, it, i uh, on closer observation it's a beautiful tree at the same time. It's got these real little uh, golden puffballs about three-eighths of an inch in diameter. And they, when they come in, in, into bloom, they're, they're one of those trees that really stand out on the streets right now. As I was getting off the freeway on, off, off the 51 southbound on Glendale, uh, you pull up in that left-hand turn lane to turn on toward Lincoln Drive. And the, the whole uh, um, exit ramp is, is lined with a beautiful uh, a sweet acacias in full bloom. I took. I snapped. Actually, I snapped a couple pictures. I bet some people are wondering what what I was doing, waiting there in line to make that turn. But no, it's it's beautiful. It's one of my favorite trees this time of year. And what I like about sweet acacias, Romy, is that they're a, a relatively uh, smaller tree. And as as people have been listening to this show for a long time, know I, I like those smaller, more compact trees that you can uh, that are more adaptable to many of our uh, locations in our in our um, smaller yards where we, we can't really handle a full-size mesquite tree or a, a, a large hybrid Palo Verde or a, even an ironwood. But these sweet acacias are kind of that in-between size, a little bit shorter, shorter in stature. Maybe they max out at 15 to 20 feet as opposed to 35 or 40. So you can get them in those you know smaller areas and really enjoy them. And, of course, they have that really fragrant bloom. Uh, drawbacks, downsides of a sweet acacia is they, they do uh, produce a, quite a bit of litter. 
And that yellow um, puffball bloom ends up on the ground. So if you have an understory plant, it's probably not the best choice to put over your aloes or some cacti where the small blooms will get you know, caught up in all the smaller plants. Um, and they also uh, produce a seed pod. But if you've got a little bit of room for them, uh, and, and you, ca you don't mind a little bit of litter in the, uh, uh, in the uh, uh, late spring and early summer. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool tree. You should take a look at it for all those uh, uh, benefits I just described. The Sweet Acacia, if you are in the Phoenix area on the exit, southbound 51 Glendale exit, that's a, a row of in-bloom sweet acacias right now yeah and as you're driving around town just look for the the the, the bright yellow tree now it's got a, a dark green uh, leaf and a dark brown bark so it's very easy to identify as opposed to the palo verdes and others that have a a lighter green leaf this is a dark green leaf tree dark brown bark and then this brilliant contrasting yellow bloom and you'll see the little puff balls they look like kicks about the size of kick cereal <laughs> and they're but they're bright yellow and they're they're cool. I, I love them. They're, they're one of my favorite trees this time of year. So that's the sweet acacia, and I received my Talking Trees newsletter earlier this month with a full article on it. I'm sure I could find that at itreeservice.com. Yeah, for, there's a, a lot of other articles of, of value um, at, at our website, itreeservice.com. A lot of fact sheets in there about uh, irrigation, about planting, about pruning, um, avoiding sunburn, which is another topic we want to talk a little bit about today. I uh, looking at people are asking me right now what what's what do I do with uh, with my pruning of my trees and of course this is a time of year when trees are putting on a lot of new, uh, new foliage and it's time uh, that we can begin to prune a little more uh, aggressively with our, our frost sensitive trees but you need to be careful especially with citrus that you don't over prune them and end up exposing them to uh, to too much sunlight as we mentioned last month uh, some citrus uh, and other smooth bark trees, if they're allowed to receive direct sunlight for two or three hours um, without interruption, you will get sunburn on those branches. So be real careful. Uh, citrus like to be left alone. A little bit of minor grooming, a little tuck, nipping and tucking here and there to kind of keep them in shape. But don't open up the canopy and allow that sunlight to get to any part of the bark uh, for uh, too long a period of time or you and will get some sunburn. And they produce on old growth. So if you want a full harvest, uh, be very, very careful about very minor on your <laughs> uh, on your interior. Like you said, you want you want a good harvest if you've got the citrus for food. That's right. And, and what we you know what we recommend is, of course, removing a, a dead wood. You get a lot of accumulation of dead wood uh, that builds up on the inside as the trees get larger. They shade the interior, and then the tree uh, trees will tend to give up on those non-productive branches that aren't receiving the sunlight that the out outer branches are. And as a result, you get a, a buildup of deadwood that accumulates over the, over, the, over the years. And that can be safely taken out of the trees at any time. And it makes harvesting the fruit a little, a little easier. So uh, with, with citrus, we recommend removing the deadwood. And then a little bit of light thinning on the interior can be done to, to help you to harvest the fruit more easily. But just be careful you don't gut the entire inside of the tree and have just a, a, a very thin foliage shell on the outside of the tree. People think that they can just go up and just strip out all the interior uh, foliage on the inside of citrus. But you, you're, you're really putting the, the tree on the edge 
because all it takes is a little bit of a break in that outer um, shell of, of, of foliage, and you'll get too much sun to the inside. And once you get sunburn, uh, that cambium is permanently damaged, and it, it no longer conducts water and nutrients, and it can lead to further dieback on the, on the canopy, which opens it up further to sun, and it can set up a vicious cycle of sunburn and then, um, and then uh, dieback on the, on the outside. And uh, we, it's, it really puts a tree into what we, what we call a mortality spiral, where the tree is, is, through these various stresses, is starting to decline. And it's very hard to pull mature trees out of a mortality spiral. Uh, so just be very, very careful with, with you know, frost-sensitive, sun-sensitive plants like citrus and some of our tropicals that need a light hand when it comes to pruning. And just do it the very, very um, bare minimum just to kind of keep them in shape. But uh, again, leaving that interior foliage alone as, as much as you can because that's uh, critical to the, um, your ability to do uh, containment pruning on the outside if you have a supporting cast of interior foliage. Which What's is getting word? me off on a rant here, because, <laughs> which leads me to, uh, I, I just want to mention quickly that I'm teaching two pruning classes at the Desert Botanical Garden uh, coming up in April and in May. Uh, one on April 8th, and I believe the other is, is May 12th. You can go on the Desert Botanical um, Garden website at dbg.org, uh, dbg.org, and uh, look up the class and and uh, they do fill up pretty quickly, so if you want to uh, attend a pruning class in April or May, I'd uh, love to have you come along. There's only a maximum seating of 25, so uh, get on, on board pretty quick because, as I said, they, the, the classes fill up, and, and then you'll need to wait for the next one. Hearing how it's done helps a lot. Well, but it does. But seeing how it's done it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, thank you, uh, Rosie. <laughs> we 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 uh, really major on the demonstration part. It's a three-hour class, and we, in the first hour, we focus on basic pruning concepts. In the second hour, we focus on some demonstration of how to uh, do the, the basic pruning cuts. And in the third hour, we actually have a hands-on uh, portion of the of the of the class where we actually give. Uh, uh, each of the students an opportunity to discuss crown cleaning, crown thinning, and crown reduction cuts, and how to make those cuts on an actual live branch with some other classmates. And it's, it's a ton of fun. We, do, we really enjoy it, and, and I, I think people take a lot more away, as you said, by actually doing the pruning. And, and then they can take those concepts and put them in practice in their yard and do it with a little more confidence because they've, uh, they know some of the tree biology behind the, the pruning cuts they're making. And uh, it, it's all in all a, a really fun class to teach. DBG.org, you can find it there. Did you, by chance, catch the last hour when we had Jim Cook from the Western National Parks, Parks Association, Association talking about the Bristol Cone Pine? Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I I just caught the end of that. Um, the bristle cone is uh, apparently the oldest tree on earth. We're we're going to have to make that the thing. tree of the month at one point. <laughs> I know it's not here in Arizona, but we got to highlight the the fact that you know our neighboring state Nevada hosts the oldest living tree. We we've got to feature that one at some yeah, point. It's it's 5000 plus years old and and uh, the oldest one they say is actually uh, they haven't disclosed its location for just so people will stay away obvious from reasons, it, yeah, for obvious reasons. But yeah, there's um, they're they're an amazing tree and quite a scrubby little thing too. It's only probably fifteen or twenty feet tall and it's all gnarly and and windswept up on the slopes of the of the Sierra Nevada 
or somewhere. Um, it, you know. look, it looks 5,000 years old when you see one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're pretty cool. What, what was that term you did? Something decline? Mortality. Mortality. Mortality decline. spiral. <laughs> mortality, that's what it is. This I like one that. has, yeah, it doesn't have any. You know, most of the, the causes of, of mortality, uh, these mortality spirals are human caused. You know, that's they're human cause and sometimes they're animal cause if you are in the mountain part of arizona and you're dealing with deer that are eating your tree leaves causing mortality spiral or you're in the desert lower part and you're dealing with rabbits that are putting smaller plants into a mortality spiral and you want them to just go away well remember that go away deer and rabbit repellent by our friends at bonide made out of hot cayenne pepper how many it. times have we talked about cayenne pepper for animal deterrent? Well, Bonai <laughs> took that and put it in their go-away deer and rabbit repellent. You can put it on fruits, vegetables, citrus. It is completely safe around people and humans. And you can, and it comes like everything in Bonite in multiple different applications, liquids, powders, granules. Whatever the application need you have, they've got a solution for you. You can find Bonite all over the state and at local nurseries. Trees can't speak, but John Eisenhower speaks their language. Talking trees with Rosie on the house. Stewart's supposed to come by. We're a live broadcast. Chauncey Meyer of Chauncey Meyer Architects out uh, walking lucky on the lucky. Beautiful. Is that a golden lap? Oh, uh, this morning on the U of A lawn. You say it's a pretty good book festival. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, if you are trying to encourage somebody in your home to read, this is the place to start. There isn't a book you can't. I bet you, I bet you they have books here on architecture, Toronto. <laughs> and you know what, John? I bet they've got books here on trees. Oh, they do. <laughs> in fact, we're, we're right behind the botanical gardens are right behind us. Right behind us, us yeah. And, the campus botanical gardens. Ah, well, we have callers on the line, so let's get to them as we're talking trees here. And then in the next segment, we'll go into our uh, mulching tip of the month for tree care. But we have Mark starting off with a pine question at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you, and we'll put him in touch with Mr. John Eisenhower of Integrity Tree Service. Yeah, thank you for uh, taking my question. I have a it's about a 40-year-old uh, ponderosa pine, um, and it uh, it sits in an area that is kind of desert landscaping around it. And I'm starting to get, I probably got maybe 5%, 5 to 10%, let's say, of the pine needles are, are uh, dying. I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to... Um, save that tree i notice there's others in the neighborhood that are actually some around you know within a few miles of me that are actually dying the complete tree is gone what part of arizona do you live in uh moon valley area yeah chances are you're you're describing an aleppo pine uh oh it may be an aleppo yeah yes and the aleppo pines have been really hit hard by uh some sort of a pathogen that is uh affecting trees from Las Vegas to Tucson and Phoenix and Southwest has been hit really hard. There's a lot of research going on right now. A lot of universities and, and other uh, agencies, um, state agencies, uh, land departments are really um, scrambling to try to find out what's going on. We just uh, this past week um, had some testing done lab testing that uh, came back positive for a fungal pathogen called diplodia. 
And um, my, I have a couple of Aleppo pines, 50-year-old trees in my yard too, and they're, and they're hit pretty hard. Uh, I'm, I've lost the top of one. I'm not sure if they're, if they're going to recover or not. By the time you see the symptoms uh, presenting, uh, th- those, the, the damage in many cases has been done, and we're sort of chasing this, um, this, uh, this pathogen or whatever it might be. We're, um, the the uh, opinions are kind of widespread as to what may have been causing it. There are some underlying stress issues that uh, need to be addressed, possibly environmental issues. There is con- some concern that even some high pollution events we had earlier this summer, plus that very, very hot uh, June, uh, um, those high temperatures in June, could be some of the contributing factors that led to the stress that these particular trees are susceptible to. seems like it's the more mature of the Aleppos that are, are getting hit the hardest. So maybe they're the ones that have the... the are, they're in the immortality spiral and susceptible well, to it. That's right, and their 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 needs are greater. They're they're photosynthesizing more rapidly. They have a greater nutrient demand, and to um, in the partitioning of of the ver- the resources they have toward fighting uh, disease and also putting uh, energy toward new growth and and reproduction, uh, their their resource their energy reserves can be de- simply be depleted. And when it comes to a pathogen like this, uh, um, it's, uh, they may not have what it takes to fight it off. And we're hoping um, that we, we do have a, a spray treatment that we're beginning to employ uh, with some of the trees, including our own. It requires a, 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 a drench of the, of the entire canopy of the tree, so we're, needing a man, we're going to need a, a, a lift, a, a, a man lift, to get high enough so our spray techs can actually spray the entire canopy of these taller trees, and we will be uh, kind of posting uh, uh, the results of, of some of the, these uh, these treatments to see if we can arrest and uh, and keep some of these trees from from failing. In, in the case of yours, with about five percent of the of the flagging out on the tips of some of those branches, you'd be a good candidate for for a treatment. You might want to ca- call an arborist in your area. You might have some uh, tissue samples uh, taken to see if you can get a positive ID for. Uh, a, a specific um, uh, pathogen like Diplodia, and if you do, then you can move forward toward a treatment uh, plan that might work for you. Uh, but yeah, all the best of luck. I think you speak for literally hundreds of listeners today across the um, the the Tucson Phoenix area that have been hit pretty hard. It's it's a shame to see these beautiful mature trees in all of our parks and along our streets and uh, in our of course in our in our homes. Um, uh, that are that are declining. It's they're beautiful, majestic trees, and tough to see them uh, um, in a in a tough place like this. It is, but you know, maybe you know, there's plenty of other ones that uh, you know you can hardly find. I have tried to find a, an Aleppo pine to plant at our house because I love those old mm-hmm. you know, irrigated horse properties yeah. that you find in old neighborhoods that have a row of Aleppo pines. I wanted to make a row uh, on mm-hmm. a side of our property. So that when development would happen, we've got a nice, a nice. Screen. You can't find them. They, everyone wants to sell the Afghan pines, which is yeah. uh, lower water use. They don't get nearly as big or majestic, in my opinion. But that might just be for a uh, a desert pine breed that might just be better for Arizona. Yeah, maybe so. So, well, good luck with your. Uh, Aleppo pine, Mark, and stay tuned here. And as we talk trees, it, we'll be covering that topic a lot as 
new developments of technology and reports come along after some of these treatments. We'll be back right after this with John Eisenhower of Integrity Tree Service. The expert that's brave enough to say the word, deciduous. Talking Trees with John Eisenhower. Rosie on the house. Speaking deciduous, we have a lot of those deciduous leaves on the ground right now. And I wanted to encourage everybody. I was walking in my yard this morning and realized there's an accumulation of leaves everywhere. And I've got a, a bit of work that's uh, been neglected. I'm just getting over a bad cold. And these last couple of weekends, I just didn't have the energy to be out working in the yard. But um, I would encourage you to take those leaves that have been falling off those deciduous trees, rake them into a pile, uh, and, uh, and, and start that composting process. People say, I don't have very much room. Well, you don't need a whole lot of room. You can just rake them up into a pile, push them up against the wall in the corner of the yard, or you can make yourself a little compost bin uh, that can collect it and keep it from blowing around. Uh, but, man, take your kitchen scraps, the leaves, even the grass clippings, and begin to blend a little of the dry with a little bit of the green. That uh, You need the, ca- the carbon and the nitrogen con- combined together, add a little bit of water, and uh, magic happens. Uh, compost uh, is a tremendous asset to the yard. <laughs> you can take that finished compost in about uh, 60 to 90 days and, uh, and actually put it back in around your, sh- your, your, your flower beds, around the base of your trees and your shrubs, uh, and encourage it's it's just a tremendous uh, soil amendment helps those uh, uh, moderate the soil temperature uh, encourages uh, some nitrogen cycling it uh, improves the soil microbiology it allows all the little critters that are inside our soil to have a better rooting environment our plants love it the uh, and it, and of course it it reduces the evapotranspiration which uh, a lot of water loss comes right out, out of the soil surface. Well, if you've got a nice little one or two inch um, layer of, of, of composted mulch around the base of your trees, they love that. And they'll, they'll reward you with some beautiful fruit, uh, less watering required, keep the dust down, keep the weeds under control. My goodness, the list goes on and on. It's the best thing since chicken soup is, uh, <laughs> is composted mulch around the base of your plants. And I can't encourage you more. Now is your time to do that. Start a little compost pile, and you'll be happy you did. Now, when we're applying the mulch to the tree, you've got to be careful not to bury any of the trunk. Thank you. Thank you. That's why I said a one- or two-inch layer of mulch is fine. Three or four inches is, it can, be, can be problematic. Uh, uh, a little, little bit more of a good thing is not always better. You want to be sure that you allow that... that, that uh, oxygen to get down to that soil surface as well. You don't want to create a condition where you're capping the oxygen from getting to the soil. Oxygen needs to get into our soil as well as the soil needs to release carbon dioxide and methane gas uh, through root metabolism. There's some gases that are being released that need to escape to the atmosphere. And they, that, that gas exchange is critical to plant survival. And unfortunately, people raise the grade level with either soil or with mulch and um, thinking that they're doing a favor to their plants, they end up having all sorts of problems. Another problem related to that is the mulch can actually trap moisture and wick, wick the moisture up against the trunk tissue. So you don't want that mulch to be piled up against the trunk of your plants. Keep, keep that uh, area right around the base of your plants high and dry. In fact, pull the mulch away from the, the actual um, uh, the, the, the trunk itself 
give yourself a little a ring of maybe a foot or so of diameter around all your plants so there's no mulch any in that in that in that uh, in that within that radius keep the mulch out a little further from the plant you can go then you can take it out as far as you want three or four or ten feet if you want uh, to provide that that protection for that entire root zone that was my next question on on how far out to go you want at least the drip line but if it's a younger tree you anticipate growing further is there a benefit to constantly be a two three four feet ahead of the drip line so that that natural composting starts to happen and increase soil conditions for when the roots get to that exactly yeah absolutely great point and yeah the the that it will be conditioning that soil through that process of breakdown of the materials they'll be keeping that uh, improving the soil tilth and and uh, porosity so that there's going to be better water penetration so as the roots get to that point of course they're going to have a much better rooting environment uh, uh, great a uh, great great point Ro- uh, Romy appreciate you mentioning that and that's the mulching trees weekly to do you can find in our home maintenance calendar and this audio will be transcribed on that page a little bit later along with the rich media player for the podcast one last thing to mention about mulching ask your neighbors to help you build your compost pile if you don't have enough leaves to really make a significant pile, just mention it to a couple of your neighbors and have them start giving you their, their kitchen scraps and a few of their leaves. They might have that big old tree that they don't, don't know what to do with the leaves. They're just throwing them away. Uh, go over there and get a couple of bags full every now and then. You can kind of keep your own, be the com- community depository for all those uh, raked leaves that others are throwing away. You can get your free home maintenance calendar by going to rosieonthehouse.com on homeowners resources. Mount, scroll over and you'll see the option third down calendar with directions on uh, how to email uh, with a link to email in your address and we'll send you your own free Rosie on the House home maintenance calendar as part of our 30th anniversary with a layout of topics that we're covering all year long along with weekly home and planting to-dos. We've got callers on the line. Let's get to them and then we've got some texts and emails to follow up with that. I believe it's Gary next on the line wants to know about a Low maintenance shade tree. Good morning, Gary, and welcome to the program. Good morning, uh, Romy. Um, question for you and your guest. I'm redoing my backyard so I get rid of some really messy uh, trees. I think they're called Fafecia. They're in the oleander family. Fafecia, yes. And very messy, but give a lot of shade. But I just got rid of those along with the citrus, which was removed because of some roof mat- rats in the area. And I was looking for some trees that could just... Uh, take full sun because it's southern exposure, um, give good shade, but not be that messy. A couple of things that I was looking at, if you can comment on, maybe is evergreen um, pear and Chinese pistache. I know they are deciduous, so there are times when they will lose their leaves, but just in general, could you comment on those and maybe anything else kind of in that um, family of uh, foliage trees that might work? Yeah, the evergreen pear is a smaller tree, probably maxes out at 15 to 20 feet in height, uh, a little more compact than the Chinese pistache, which can be extremely large, you know, can be up to 40 feet in height at maturity. So you want to be sure that you understand, uh, research the mature height of your trees to be sure that you're selecting one that's going to fit that spot. But both of those are, are nice trees. The the the, uh, the They're both deciduous, so they will lose their leaves and, and be... Uh, uh, be bare in the in the winter. Uh, two other trees that came to mind that will provide um, sh- some nice shade for you and also take full sun are the uh, uh, the acacia anura 
or a mulga tree. It's referred to as common name as a mulga. They're quite nice, and, and I think they're considered a low litter uh, tree. And then, uh, then the uh, Texas live oak. I've just become a real fan of those trees because they're so durable, bulletproof, don't have a lot of natural enemies. And they're, they're, again, both of those two trees, the, uh, the acacia anura uh, or mulga, and then the Texas live oak, are, are, are fully are, are evergreen trees. They'll keep their leaves all year long and provide uh, some, some nice shade. And they're relatively low litter and low maintenance. And for that reason, I, they get a, a five-star review from me. We appreciate the call. A couple text questions here for you, Mr. Eisenhower. We had somebody wanting to know where to get tool for per bird uh, to keep birds out of their fruit trees. Where to find tools? Tool, the cloth. Oh, 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 oh. Gosh. Um, I, Is there another material you would recommend? To keep the birds out of their citrus trees? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's, uh, no, I, I wish I could help out. I, <laughs> I, I think they ought to contact their local nursery and see if they can uh, find another source. But Most Please, uh, if you if you wouldn't mind, uh, once you've made that uh, determination, found a nice source for 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 that to circle back around and maybe drop me a line so that I can help some of our other uh, um, tree owners that that come to us for advice. I'm always looking for good sources for uh, for products that are helpful in uh, keeping birds out. I've got a, a, a pigeon problem since our our neighbors uh, had a, a pigeon issue in a vacant home next door. And when the city came and fumigated the house, it drove the pigeons into our yard. And I've, we've been in that house for 20 years. And so here, the very you know, this last year, all of a sudden, I've got a, a plague of pigeons in, in our big old garage. So, yeah, <laughs> birds can be problematic. Uh, and, uh, yeah, sometimes it's difficult to find humane solutions for trying to deal with them. Yeah, there are pigeon specialists as well that uh, i don't know mm-hmm. if they'll have the the solution he's looking for but they've yeah, got lot, uh, a lot of uh, citrus owners have um, problems with birds that are are not just getting into the into the uh, the fruit but they're actually pecking sap suckers or pecking the the bark and doing quite extensive damage where they'll, they'll come in and they'll uh they'll tear bits of bark and even some rock squirrels and other little um rodents have been uh, been known to do quite extensive damage in some of our our trees by peeling the bark back so they can eat some of the the sweet nectar that are, that comes out of those wounds and uh, a lot of times people are trying to uh, keep those birds out of their citrus for that reason too another texter wants to know we were talking earlier about the Aleppo pine and want to know how how does that pathogen get introduced to a new area? Well, we were we've done some research on it. I'm not sure where where the introduction comes in. It very likely could be uh, airborne, and it you know, it's also spread through rainfall, which is terrible because you know as soon as we get some rain, uh, it's just um, spreading it further into the into the canopy of the of our trees. Uh, but there's um, its source is, is not really well known. We're trying to make that determination. By the way. The other types of trees, like the Afghan pine and the Brutea, some of the others in our area, uh, are also affected by this. We thought it was a sp- it was specific to the Aleppo's, but it seems like the other tree species, the other pine species, 
are more resistant to it, but they're not immune to it. There are, have been cases of, of these other pines being affected as well, but it mainly seems to be in the in the pines and a, really a strange phenomena because if you drive past Roadrunner Park at 36th Street in Cactus, the, there's affected trees, and then it seems to skip a tree, then it gets to another tree. It's not just widespread over whole geographic areas. You'll see trees that, which indicates to me that maybe that trees are have a little more energy reserves and can handle some of these uh, stresses like a pathogen, are able to, uh, you know, fight it off. But other trees that may be more susceptible and may, maybe weakened um, are, are the ones that are going to be uh, uh, getting hit hardest. So it, it's, uh, it, it behooves us to improve, of course, the, the cultural conditions around our trees, making sure they're, getting, they're well irrigated, that, that they have good growing conditions, and that we're trying to minimize all the stress factors that would lead to this because it seems to be that when in the fall when these symptoms started presenting themselves, it could have been, many people are you know, indicating that it was months ago, possibly even in the, in the summer, uh, when the, uh, the problem started. And if you are an organic gardener, there's a lot here in Tucson. Tucson is very proud of the organic factor, organic factor. Well, Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew can't help you against pathogens, but if you're trying to get rid of bugs and critters on your vegetable gardens or on your trees, you can spray Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. The all-organic compound from our friends at Bonide is family-made in America. Beetles, spider mites, boars, any time you see something starting to attack your trees, you can just hit it with Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. It is so organic and safe, you can apply it the same day you're harvesting your fruits for that night's salad. You can find Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew all over the state. Right here in Tucson, you can find it at Mesquite Valley Growers. If you're in Flagstaff, Violas, or in Phoenix... His bark and bite, they're about the same. Talking trees with John Eisenhower, Rosie on the house. And we've got Justin on the line. He wants to know if he should trim the tree himself or hire an arborist. Well, John, I understand you, you may just pay Justin to trim his own tree. You're looking for help. <laughs> yeah, we are. We actually um, are looking for help. Uh, you know, Justin, I, there's um, a lot of pruning that can be done by homeowners and business owners, and with the proper, uh, armed with the proper skills, uh, through taking some classes, you can learn some basic pruning concepts and and uh, doing a uh, you know do a fair fair amount of work on your own and and do it confidently. the The problem is when you get into larger trees that do require climbing or um, in the case of homeowners, to be up on tall ladders, sometimes it's not advisable to take that risk and end up getting hurt. Um, and and sometimes just the the amount of brush that's that's uh, produced uh, is is sometimes overwhelms um, your ability to put it out in your uh, with your um, uh, city pickup or, or 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 in your in your in your garbage cans or your recycle bins. You know, I, I, we fill up our recycle bin pretty pretty often, and it can doesn't take very much to do that. Uh, but yeah, there, it's it's a uh, um, sometimes it, there's uh, they say a, a good doctor even knows when to refer, 
and it's I think there's a time when you just know that hey this is getting beyond uh, our ability to do on our own and at that point it'd be good to to go to a, a local certified arborist in your area who can bring a, a high level of quality service uh, we it's are, not like a bad haircut. At least it'll grow back and you can fix it from there. The key <laughs> on trees is never remove more than a third at any one time. Yeah, 25% is really a, the, your target amount in, in any one growing season. And that's in order, in order that the tree can re, replace that lost foliage, which is critical to the, per, you know, producing the energy reserves that it needs to survive and thrive. So, yeah, keep the pruning to a minimum. Do a little bit now, maybe a little bit later. We always tell people sometimes you can't achieve all of your pruning objectives in one season. So remember that you can do some now and then come back and do some later. And the trees had a time in between to, to re respond and put on some new foliage. And then you can come back and do a little bit more trimming uh, without as much uh, damage to the tree. He could sign up for your pruning classes at the Desert Botanical Gardens and kind of get a a view of what it might entail and see if that's the point where... Yeah, it's a good place to start. Yeah, get a, get a good uh, pruning class or two under your belt and uh, and you'll be... Uh, either you'll be dangerous, you'll know just enough to be dangerous, or you'll be uh, pretty darn good. And I hope that after three a three-hour class, I, I, I can confidently say uh, people go, walk away from our classes with, I think, some pretty good tools to be able to go and, uh, and, and, and uh, do a pretty, pretty good job of pruning some of their trees. And you had mentioned y'all are y'all are hiring, and I don't know any of our certified partners who aren't. We were talking with our garage door company here in Tucson yesterday, and said, "Man, we we'd add two more crews if we could find the people." And uh, yeah, we are hiring right now. And if if you are able-bodied and and you would like a to consider a career in the tree industry, we're hiring ground workers and climbers. And if you uh, yeah, you just need to be able-bodied and and hook up with a good a good company. Uh, Rosie Partners could not be a better place to be employed because they're all committed to safety and education. And in the case of you know a company like ours, uh, good tree services do put a high premium on safety. They want to be sure that their workers are going to go home at the end of the day to their families. And secondly, they put a, a, a real emphasis upon education. Uh, they're, they're wanting to, to actually pr provide a career path. We have a wonderful credentialing program to bring our ground workers and our tree our, our climbers through a tree worker certification program, encourage them toward their arbor certification. If you have a, um, a, a uh, if you are a certified arborist looking for work, we are actually hiring for a sales rep position. Um, if you have a degree, that's even better. Uh, but sales experience and good communication skills are prerequisite. Of course, uh, um, uh, being a certified arborist is one of our, our, our prerequisites for that position. I'd uh, love to hear from you. Uh, we, we are hiring actively right now for ground workers, climbers, and for a sales rep position. iTreeService.com would be the point of contact for now, as y'all are like many businesses closed on the weekend, a lot of time for rest and family. And you could somebody could get to that website, fill out an information, and someone will get back to them beginning of next week. Yeah, we've got an application online, so you can uh, print that and, and copy it, have it, have it um, uh, filled out, and uh, you'd be ready for an interview on, on early next week. Well, we appreciate uh, y'all tuning in this Saturday morning. We've been with John Eisenhower of Integrity Tree Service Talking Trees. Any final points we've missed on our tree calendar maintenance for March? No, I just wanted to say it's been a pleasure, a lot of fun um, uh, spending time with you this morning, uh, Romy and Rosie. You guys have a great weekend, and we'll, uh, um, we will see you around the bend. Sounds good. Next month, when 
uh, April, is that going to be 14th? Mm-hmm. That's the second Saturday of the month. When we're talking trees again, we'll be covering the, oh, I did, I should have had my calendar open in front of me. <laughs> we're not into the Palo Verde yet. It's not blooming yet. I think that's May. Do you remember what our talking tree is for? Our tree of the month next month? No, but it'll be a surprise for our listeners when, I'm, we, <laughs> when we unveil it. I'm buying time, myself time, as I'm growing to July, June, May. There we go. We'll be talking, oh, it will be the Palo oh, no, that's May. Palo Verde in May. This is a lot. This has got to be great listening radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, in between now and then, you can go to itreeservice.com and... We will be talking about the acacia, Mulga acacia. There you go. It's one of those five-star trees I just mentioned a few minutes ago. 